was uh, doing like he works with Johnson and Johnson. He does like he uh, designs surgical tools. Of course. And so they're having like this meeting or whatever. And so this woman's speaking and just behind her walks some nude guy. And, you know, since it's a corporate meeting, no one it's just ignores it. Like it never happened. Didn't see it. Yeah. So. Well, that, that video brought up um, ethical questions. Like, you know, Zoom records everything. So the person who was probably just doing an audio thing didn't realize that her camera was on. You know, she probably right. wasn't watching everybody. And then she makes a bit of a fool of herself. And, you know, the public at large enjoys it. But then you start thinking, is that ethical to release that? I mean, it's it seems... Yeah, you know, terribly invasive. Yeah, you know, like n- not even the woman who was speaking, but like in this instance where the guy was just walking through his house, no fault of his own, happened to be naked. Yeah, and everyone. Well, he wasn't part of the meeting, was he? No, no, he was. He just enjoys nudity. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's his house. Why can't he? If he gets out of the shower, he can walk around naked as much as he wants, you know? That's right. It's he's in the private. He's a he's part of the landed gentry. <laughs> so he's a landowner. Yes. He owns a home and in, he's a lord inside of his that manor. home. Yeah. yeah, he's a lord of his manor. He can do whatever he wants. And that includes uh, titillating nudity. So you're re- <laughs> are you ready to do this or are we doing it? Is this how uh, these things start? How do we do it? I usually do like a little intro, but uh, very frequently do it? we get uh, some random conversation ahead of time just because that's more right. interesting. Well, you can do whatever you want. Uh, everything uh, I say, you may feel free to edit and use for whatever purposes you want. With the exception of putting, um, you know, uh, my voice behind some sort of like Hitler thing, you know. Yeah, we don't, we don't pretty much edit. Like we're pretty, you know, we take out like the lip smacks and, you know, if anyone does anything that could probably get us for libel or slander or anything like that. But other than that. Right. Gonna... What if I just start playing music that I don't own the copyright to? Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care? Not so much. <laughs> you no, care. I mean, yeah, I put up my music on. I'm just going to chit chat with you until you until you ask me specific questions. But I put up uh, some some covers that were were made by my band on um, covers being songs that are written by somebody else and performed by another band. If anybody doesn't know what a cover is, that's no. what a cover is uh, of songs that my band did of other people's material. And I was put them up on Bandcamp, which is this kind of Oh yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. yeah, it's like a thing that you I've been avoiding it my whole life, thinking that like, yeah, I'll get my own website and stuff, but you know what? Fuck it. Uh Bandcamp seems like a suitable way to do it. They can, I don't want to get money out of this crap. So Bandcamp is giving me hassles for like giving stuff away. Like they want me to charge. Uh, oh, I didn't really? realize that Yeah, it's weird. Like the, the... Yeah. No, I didn't realize that like I, I couldn't have stuff up for one hundred percent free. That they want me to charge oh, like at least at least a dollar, yeah, at oh. least a dollar. But then again, they're you know they're housing Communist. this for me. <laughs> I'm taking up their bandwidth and whatnot. They might as well make some money on it because they do take a percentage. So, yeah. now let me tell you, you're you're not buying a second home with the money my band brings in. So <laughs> I wouldn't really worry about it. Well, a lot of we do my due diligence and just do the random intro. So welcome back. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, I'll, I'll pretend I just showed up. Oh, okay, all right, right, go ahead, do it. 
Yeah. Welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy, the Inebriar Podcast, and uh, I'm once again recording from the comfort of my dining room since uh, we are still under lockdown, more or less, because we're not in Georgia. And uh, I am super excited to have uh, Doc Hammer, who is just joining us just now. Oh, hey, I just walked in to your dining room. We're together in the dining room. You're about, yeah. You have one of those uh, distancing sticks. We're exactly six feet of social distancing. Yeah. Well, you, you're in the heart of it in New York. Are, is, are things nuts there? Are they starting to kind of relax? Are people getting used to it? Well, you know, people are, people are uh, around and doing the things that they do. The real problem is you can't do your normal life, like shopping. I can't go to Blake and go buy some gesso. You know what I mean? I can't mm-hmm. do, like, these basic things that I used to do i have to order everything online it's kind of a pain yeah, good luck. uh but for, for, but you know there's new york has gone through a lot you know what i mean we, we've had our blackouts and our towers being knocked down and nonsense like that not that i'm <laughs> that i'm calling oh, okay, the yeah. tragedy of 9-11 nonsense i'm like you've had blackouts recently no i, I see historically yeah, yeah we've i'm just saying historically in, in in my time of being there i've lived there for a long time so i've, I've been through a lot and you know when we when we had our blackouts, we had barbecues out on the front, you know. So we're just good at this kind of thing. Just New Yorkers are uh, resilient people, so everybody's kind of taking it in stride and walking around and wearing their mask and seemingly wearing their mask like somebody is paying attention. So when they pass somebody, the mask goes up, and then when they walk away, you can see the mask go back down go again. Back and, down. Yeah, yeah, and and you don't want to be offended, like oh, they think I'm COVIDinal, which is. <laughs> I, I I I appeal to you to use the word covidinal as the adjectival form. I always ask people, do you have the vid? Do you have the vid? Yeah. No, I've been saying covidinal. Like every time, time I do something, it's a covidinal activity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's but it, it's to me, it's it's the same. It's a little more desolate because the stores aren't aren't open and stuff. But New York is always just New York. Yeah. It's yeah. a city that never sleeps, I guess. But it's a city that a sleeps late. <laughs> it sleeps yeah. late. It, yeah. it sleeps, but it sleeps late. Yeah. Like stores at anywhere else in the Burbs would be open at nine noon. Noon is when they open up <laughs> in New York. I'm definitely working on a New York schedule. I'm rolling out of bed. Oh, like I'm on such now. a New York I'm schedule. I'm going to bed at like four in the morning. It's <clears throat> yeah. I I I. I weekdays mean nothing to me anymore. Like someone asked me what day of the week it is. And I'm like, it's week. It's yeah. weekday. Cause I have no idea what, what day of the week it is. And time is another thing that has become uh, time is relative as people say, but there is nothing to uh, base it up against. So I've lost the relativity of time, not in a uh, Einsteinian way. Is that correct? Covidian, Einsteinian? Einsteinian must be correct. That like, sounds so good. It's like 50 cent vocabulary here. I went to public Yeah, but it must be because yeah. if you think of Dickens, Dickensian, anything yeah, I say yeah. is, is Hamarian by nature because I am the Hamarian progenitor of all Hamarian thought. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was saying. I'm saying that I never know what time it is. Yeah, I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, I haven't had breakfast, lunch, or dinner in weeks. I just have meal. Because mm. I don't... I'll tell you this. Times, it's random things. I eat dinner the same time every night. Like I'm that guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I have like a 6:45 dinner. I just hmm. my body just just knows it and wants it. And 
my God, I'm trying to remember. Normally, so this is how this podcast usually works. I usually do no research because I feel like it's more interesting for me to ask questions that, that I'm actually interested I'm going to convince you that I have a completely different job than I actually do. Oh, well, I, I know a little bit. Aren't you a vegetarian? I'm a vegan, yeah. Vegan. Okay, but I don't, so. I don't say it out loud because I think that when I say that I'm a vegan, people go, oh, he's like a, he's a super lunatic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's like this, there's this weird stigma about it. And yeah. it's like, you know, because people hear these rumors like, oh, yeah, they won't even eat honey because it comes from a bee's, uh, what would you say, uh, industry. It comes from yeah. a bee's industry. So, uh I, I am actually a vegan. I don't eat um, I, I, dairy and stuff like that. But but I say vegetarian, so people won't think that I'm a, yeah. I'm bananas. But honestly, I could not. You don't want to get me started because I really am. I'm not an apologist for veganism, but I am a monstrous proponent. Yeah. So it, it's possible that you just want to back off now because I will start. No, no. I was curious because, like, you know, there's all this talk, like, oh, you know, there's going to be a meat shortage. But like, have you had any issues with shopping being? Because I, I went grocery shopping today, and, and the produce was hit or miss. You know, those yeah, like, I'll tell you this. Broccoli and no oranges. That kind of thing. I'll tell you this. I uh, that's the way it always is. Um, I because. You can be a vegan in two different ways. You can actually be a vegan, a vegan and live on Doritos and fries. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, there are unhealthy vegans out there. Veganism isn't, isn't a, uh, uh, an indicator of a healthy diet. But I am one of those vegans that lives entirely on like vegetables and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, eat, I eat what would be considered crazy good. Um, so uh, like the idea of shopping for anything but produce. I don't really go to the center aisles. Yeah. Um, just, so just surrounding. Yeah, it's just basic produce. So I had a spaghetti squash tonight that was cooked with kale and some tahini over a bed of uh, fresh baby spinach. It was it was delicious. That sounds pretty amazing. It's really good. It's really yeah. good. I'm telling you, it's it's not like a meeting. Oh, crab spaghetti food. squash like is it, great. It can be. If you, yeah. if you spice it, being a vegan is all about learning how to spice things. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't, everything tastes like lawn, you know what I mean? It just <laughs> has this like lawn flavor to it, which you get really used to. Like you will, it's amazing what we can get used to as just a, the human animal. And I remember when I became like a super vegan, like this really just fresh vegetables and eating that kind of way. It took a year before I stopped uh, craving crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just a full year. And then what happens is all your taste buds are all changed. So when you smell pizza, which used to be like the greatest food that was ever invented. I mean, it's fucking pizza, right? Yeah. It's great. But now when I smell pizza, it stinks. It smells like an, like an open cold can of SpaghettiOs. Really? Yeah. No, I would not lie to you. Yeah. Yeah. That happens if you, if you really dig in and go like, because when people diet, they, they yeah. figure this is what I do. I'll change what I eat till I hit my goal. Oh, then and then go I go right back to what they were doing. Yeah. And then I'll go back to when I'm eating again, but you can't do that. All diets are really based on changing your diet eternally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing this to stay thin. I'm doing it just because I'm a fucking lunatic. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I might actually be the vegan that people fear. The one who is like super into it. I just don't want to appear that way. Well, it, it's one of those, the only vegans that I find tough to deal with are new vegans Hmm. yeah why is that because they're overly aggressive yeah because they just invented it yeah they they, they think yeah 
they think that they found the coolest thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little much. Um, Well, I mean, they're they're basic facts. I mean, it's not sustainable for our planet to live off live off um, other animals. It just isn't. Uh, We're growing food to feed an animal that gives us less nutrients. It's it's mathematically stupid, and it's it's not that good for you. It's it's it's. you're, you know, you're not walking out in your backyard and killing the animal. These are animals that are slaughtered in the worst conditions. <laughs> well, if you do, I mean, you know, that, that's one of those things. If someone goes, would you eat meat? And I'm like, if I went in the backyard, killed a squirrel and stewed it up, I might eat it. You know what let, I mean? It's, like one, let, let it's me one ask of the, you kind of, I don't know how we ended up here, but this is normal for our podcast. We just end up where we end up. That's um, fine. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember whose it was. But they were talking about clean meat. Yeah. Is that, would you consider that or is that still kind of? There's no such thing. Look, meat, meat's, <laughs> meat's just not good for you. Yeah. If, if you, if you well, look no, at. I just, I just mean because I, it's, it's. All right. This, let generation. me be that. I'm going to be that douchey guy for, for three seconds okay, here. It's like, there's just no reason for us to eat meat. I know people think that we have incisors therefore we're carnivorous we just don't if you look at a, a gorilla's incisors they're they're formidable they're terrifying and they're real fangs mm-hmm. gorillas don't eat any meat they're they're completely uh, vegetarian and that's more what we're related to and all carnivores all of them have an, a jaw that doesn't go side to side it goes straight up and down Mm-hmm. They, they're locking jaws. We, ours go side to side. We also have the clearest molars for, for uh, you know, chewing up things that aren't tough. Like we don't really have sharp teeth. We have the teeth of a, of a, of a cow, for God's sake. So, um, yeah, we're clearly we're, we're vegetarians and we learn to eat meat as a species because things get cold. Or if you're living up in the north, you have to live on nothing but fats and that's why ketosis is something that our body will go into which is um something that i wouldn't advise it's probably terrible for your heart and the whole thing it does with these these uh low-carb diets puts their body yeah these 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 keto diets and also the thing about protein is if people are gonna go like where to get your protein they got to do some like modern protein research there's something about information where it takes about a hundred years before we get it right and protein was discovered in like around 1830, right? It was like the first, you know, super amino acid. So they named it uh, protein, which is like the most important thing. And it, it, it's just not. We found, we've, we've now learned a lot about protein and we realize it's in everything. I mean, there's protein in a cardboard box. There's protein in spinach. Matter of fact, spinach per calorie has as much protein as beef. It just does. Facts, my friend, facts. So you don't have to go worried about like, oh, we need nuts and stuff. And we're overprotonated. You know, you know, protonated. There's another. Like, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> crapping out these <laughs> adjectival forms of, of, of nouns. We're, we're going to um, dictionary by the time we're done. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we just don't need the kind of protein. You know what? Uh, last time somebody had a protein deficiency is when they were starving to death. That's when you have protein deficiencies. Nobody has protein deficiencies. Something that never happens. If people are worried about, do I get enough protein? What we do have is a lot of people with a, um, a fiber deficiency. <laughs> so people should be eating more uh, fresh vegetables and things like that. There you go. I've I've said my piece, and everybody who's <laughs> anybody who's still with us can can deal with it. And if you like your meat, you know, eat your meat while. Uh, I, I, while I won't while you're disagree with you. I uh, every day when I was 
working every day. I had a salad for lunch every day. And since, uh, since not having a salad every day for lunch, I've noticed a distinct difference in the fiber end of my diet. Yeah. It's, Oh, I'm telling you, man, when I was in the hospital, uh, they just don't know what a vegetarian is. It's, yeah. it, it's like all hospitals are in Texas, apparently. They just cannot <laughs> handle it. And they used to give me this. This is a slightly tangential, but they used to bring me, I'm laying there and they would bring me this like fruit salad, which was like, I'm not, I'm not joking with you. It was two pineapple slices with cherries in the middle, right? Yeah. And like um, this kind of. Uh, Isn't that there? I was at like one super wild log soggy grape. Yeah, yeah. There's like a grape, and then there's like yeah. cottage cheese, and it's in the it's it's in the shape of a face. I'm a full grown adult. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, really? like I'm a gr- I'm a grown up, and they bring me this thing with a face, and I I got <laughs> I got I got so angry one time because I'm like, you can't. First of all, cottage cheese is not is is not like vegetarian okay maybe it's like part of a like a lacto ovo diet but it's not with me and the nutrients of two fucking slices of uh pineapple with cherries in it that makes a smiley face it was i went bananas so and what, i remember what part of the face was the cottage cheese it might have been like this emmett kelly beard smile <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it was clownish looking yeah. and I, I i can't remember it because it was so offensive and I was like, at one time I called in the nurses and I threatened to burn the hospital to the ground. <laughs> oh, they love that. Yeah. I was like, so help me God. If I see this fucking cheese plate again, I will burn this place to the ground. And I don't think they understand the uh, uh, humor in my her- hyperbole because I'm a paraplegic laying in bed and I had no power. So when you have no power, your brain goes to, this is weird information, but your brain goes to places that are absurd and you would never act upon them. But I do remember looking at a nurse thinking, I still have enough power in my hand to, to strangle her to death. <laughs> now I, I'm like, I'm a, I'm like a hyper pacifist, right? Like I, uh, uh, violence for me is like the, is what people do when they can't think. Mm-hmm. But when you're so much is taken from you, you know, I, I lost my ability to walk and all that nonsense. So, uh, so this was fairly recently, right? This is like two years ago. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember times, but, um, you know, I'm still pretty, pretty fucked up, but I, I, um, nothing like I was before and God, yeah, I just remember thinking like, how could I get any power and control? It's, it's something strange. I mean, I'm, so I've gotten to the point kind where of like, a, a reassurance that you had some power. There's something that happens to you when you lose something. Yeah. It's like being stripped of your basic human rights and you don't really, you can't grasp it. And inside of that, your brain goes to weird places where you can assert your humanity again. And inside of that is just, is just physical power, which is just gone. So you think like, what can I do? And it's nothing you'd ever act on. And it's right. nothing real. It's just this thing that pops in your head. Like, it's hard to explain. And obviously I would never strangle a nurse. They were lovely people, but it's, I was amazed. And I think going through this, I was almost enjoying, not even almost, I was actually enjoying um, having this meta um, conversation with my self where I would notice myself thinking something. And then this higher self would go, that's a, 
That's a screwy thought. <laughs> and yeah, you go to these like bizarre places and, and you learn a lot about yourself. It, it's absolutely life-changing in ways that go beyond like, now I can't get from point A to point B. It's everything you understood about yourself is completely different. And uh, it was, it's something that at this point, I remember laying in the hospital bed and, and at my darkest, lowest point, I was thinking, there must be a time machine where I can get back before this happened and warn myself. Um, what was it that happened? I, I honestly don't. I never speak about it, but I will say I, it, it oh, was a bear sorry. attack. It was a bear what? attack. Bear? It was a bear attack. I was, I was revenant. Um, grizzly or black bear? Or? It was grizzly. It was a, it was a, um, it was a cub scout. That counts, right? It's a Cub Scout, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that counts. He was, he was, he had his, his bear badge. He didn't actually make wolf <laughs> <laughs> or bobcat. He, he had bear. Boy Scout, I don't remember who had the bear. Anyway, um, Cub Scouts were bears, I think. Cub Scouts, Scouts had bears, Eagles, yeah. I think they had bear, they had bear, wolf, and bobcat. That's okay. what Cub Scout, or unless that was Weeblow. Who cares? Weeblow. We will be loyal Scouts. Weeblows. Is that what that means? That's it. That's exactly what it means. Holy shit, I learned something new today. Mm. I'm an ex-Boy uh, Scout. I went very far in BSA. I went to Explorer Scout. Ask me what goes after Explorer Scout. Eagle? Fireman. Or cop. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... If you if you go past that, you're like, you just become a fireman or a cop. It's like... It's 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 pretty crazy. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so... um. Yeah, so I, 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 I uh, what, what I was saying is at my lowest, I was thinking I want a time machine, but now I'm at the point where I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't change anything. I don't, I wouldn't say I like what happened to me, but I like what it helped me become. You know, there's so you this uh, insight into yourself. Jesus, yeah. Well, it's part of the hero's journey, and I'm not equating myself to a hero, but you know, we are our own heroes, and we, are, our personal mythology is important. If you sit on your ass all day. That's what your hero is. Some of you sits in their ass all day, but mine fell into the precipice, you know, looked over the edge of, of bleakness and was able to come back damaged. I mean, that's one of the, the great arcs in the hero's story. Is, well, it's the end of act it's, two. Yeah, it's losing everything. Yeah. So um, in my hero story, you know, this is, this is very important or, or I can't be the great hero I, I pay myself out to do. So there you go. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so you make cartoons. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, I, make a TV, I make a TV yeah. show for uh, Adult Swim called the Adventure Team Brothers. Yeah, that's how I discovered you. And I was talking to uh, my producer today. And I'm like, you know, I'm very excited because I'm a big Adventure Brothers fan. And I'm like, but no one, you're, I wouldn't say your household name. No offense. I can tell you right now what you're going to say, okay, and I'm going to tell you what my response is to it, because okay. I have heard this literally thousands of times, See, I try not to do and that. it's why I love the Venture Brothers. Also, okay. it's because I have a lot to do with it, so of course I love it, because I'm a narcissist. Maybe? I don't know. So uh, this is what everybody tells me in a line of hundreds of people. Okay. That they're the I only person I, they know. I was going to say, I think I was going to say something different, but go ahead. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they, um... They're the only person they know that watches the show. They've turned some friends on to it. And um, they they have a very deep connection of it because everybody who watches it thinks they're the only pre- people that watch it and they're the only people that get it. And 
that's to me is magical. That's like being the Cocteau twins. That's being Star Trek. That's being Buffy. That's having something that everybody taps into yet. They think they alone are the ones that tap into it. And it's, See, I uh, was the friend that got turned on to it. You were turned on. Yeah, yeah, you're the turned on had, friend. Yeah, I was a turned on friend who were like, you got, you should check this out. I'm like, what is it? And I can tell you the moment tag sale you're it. I was like, oh crap, this is great. That was a, a show engineered to do that. By the way, yeah. it was engineered to do that for the network. Oh, really? the story. I've told this story a million times, but I'll tell it again. Um, we had uh, Jackson and I were supposed to write episode eight that was going to be. Uh, an episode called uh, I don't remember. It's a pirate episode. Do you remember the pirate episode where where oh yeah Hank the, is yeah Brock's tied up and uh, it's all the the Bowie um, reference season one with the Bowie intro yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. okay sure that episode um uh so so Jackson was uh, my partner who writes the show with me um was busy doing something so I wrote it all myself and Jackson read. He's like, yeah, this is great. So we send the script to the network and we get one of those calls from the higher ups there in Georgia, by the way, that is kind of like, yeah, well, they all, they can't all be winners. So, you know, just, uh, just, I don't know, do do a, yeah, do a punch (laughs) up and like move on. You know, this will be one of the phone ins and I'm, I'm, I'm dying because I'm like this, I I really like this script. So it's like, what's, yeah. So I'm like, what's wrong with this script? And like, ah, you know, you take your only good character, Brock, and then you time up the whole episode. I'm like, well, yeah, but he's teaching like a, a, a this pubescent kid how to kill, right? Through through his watch, at least. Isn't that, oh, ah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, cause yeah. Isn't that the scene where like um, uh, Hank is like, oh, and he's gonna sleep, and he's like, sure, yeah, he's gonna sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's dead. So, um. <laughs> Uh, I will keep breaking into my war burden. It's like a 93% good war burden. Anyway, so um, they just, they hated it. And now I felt like completely defeated. Like, oh, I suck. I'm a bad writer. And Jackson goes, all right, I'll, I'll do a punch up. And all Jackson did is include a scene where Brock got a guy's hand up his ass and then Brock spun around and knocked people over. That was it. Yeah. That's it. That was like, well, throwing them a bone. We, we Jackson and I used to call it pissing on a mummy. Like, oh, they just want us to piss on a mummy and that'll be fine. So <laughs> he did He did that and we figured it was fine. We cut out some of my very long doc speeches, which yeah. uh, I, I had, it was too long. And then we just figured the episode sucked. So I went away to write another episode and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? It's going to be wall to wall jokey joke laughs world building stuff so i wrote tag sale you're it right to, to just prove to the network that we can be the thing they want we can actually be a, a funny show with world bu- building and all that kind of nonsense so time goes by and then we get a working version of the of the um pirate episode and it's just a work print which means it's just a loose edit with a, with no sound effects no music and you just put the dialogue in place so you get a runtime it's it's what's like an editing slug mm-hmm. and we send it to the network so they can know what we're up to and uh they call us up and they're like that is lad that's my favorite episode that is great that's <laughs> that is a great you know what guys i boys i'm wrong like i'm just wrong i don't know what you're doing i read those scripts and they don't look, they don't sound funny and then 
you, you make the episode. It's hilarious. I didn't even know it was a work print. I thought it was a completed episode. It was great. So that episode of, of him not getting our script, mm-hmm. but, but getting the episode when it was finished, they got off our back for 12 years. <laughs> like they never bothered us again. They just figured we know what we're doing, doing more than they do. Just let us do it. So it was like a really pivotal script, the uh, pirate episode, but tag sale is what I wrote to redeem myself in my own eyes. <laughs> like maybe I'm a crappy writer. Maybe, yeah. maybe long speeches about doc aren't funny and Bowie jokes aren't funny. I thought they were. But um, it turns out they actually are funny, according to the network. They just—they look crappy on paper. So there you go. Well, that's kind of what one of those. It's—it's it's hard to tell a joke in written form. It is, and we—we are, we are one of those shows that are very rare that have absolutely no improv. That's—it's it's super rare if we have improv. Yeah. Everything is written on the page, including vocal stammers, pauses, ums, like you knows. They're all in there. So it's a very unique script. If you if you have one of our scripts that are first drafts, <laughs> Jackson and I never have time to do a second draft. We write a script, um, correct the spelling, and go into the booth and start working on it. It's there's no time in between. So if you have one of those scripts and the show airs, you can read it. It's almost a transcript. Like people say exactly what's on the page. What led you guys to doing all the voices or the majority of the voices? Was it like, yeah, we're stupid and cheap. I don't know. <laughs> if, you, if, if you ask Jackson, he'll probably have a different version. Like we couldn't afford anything else, Yeah. but uh, I, I like it because it makes us like a Muppet show, you know, where you have this Frank Oz and Jim Henson um, just do the voices and, and the nobody voices some somehow become part of your family and you don't have to go, uh, hold on a minute. I, I recognize that voice. Who is that guy? Well, we have, we have had since then a, an astounding amount of celebrity voices that yeah. I can't even remember. Well, Colbert uh, was, uh, we had Colbert. Right? And when Colbert left, we had, we had Bill Hader playing the same part. I mean, can you have two better voice actors? I mean, it's, they're the best. And then when we couldn't get Hader because he became super famous, Colbert came back and let us use him one more time. I mean, that's astonishing and crappy show. We had uh, uh, Kate McKinnon was on our show for years doing characters that nobody even remembers. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people we've had, but regardless of that, what I was saying before is that it, it's, it's kind of a Muppet show thing. Just we write it, we understand it. We can do the voices um, sometimes the voices are so deeply a part of the character that they're written for timing, sound, and delivery that it's just quicker to do it themselves, you know? To do it ourselves. Did I say themselves? What is wrong with me? Uh, uh, is there, like, any character that you kind of regretted doing that you would rather have had someone else do? It's, it, and this is completely a totally different I, I, I bet there are, I, I could probably name more characters that I regret giving to somebody and wish we just did it ourselves. I mean, oh, it's, really? yeah, sure, sure. Sometimes someone comes in and just does not get the character, and we don't have all day to talk to them and stuff like that. You know, they have to come in and understand it. Yeah. Sometimes somebody will come in and they just make the character. And then you have people that they're, you hire them because they can make a character. We had, uh, we had, uh, what's his name there from, uh, he's now famous from Archer and Bob's Burgers. Oh, and, God. John uh, H. John Benjamin? Yeah. So we yeah, had, yeah, we had, 
He was we had, the, um, we, Dr. Orpheus's mentor or whatever, right? Yeah, the master. So we yeah. had him come we had him come in and he he works a really long time in a booth and just keeps saying it over and over again. And each time he says it, he adds more to it. Mm-hmm. So you're 20 minutes in, you have it doesn't resemble anything that you wrote. Nothing. And it's <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's yeah. hilarious. And he's like he's used to that. You can feed him lines and he just keeps rambling them off. He comes up with his own. He's it's he's like a master at it. So we just let it roll. And for the most part, we actually use what we scripted and then throw in the that one line he said that was just too perfect not to do that oh, you know he's so funny he's his his voice you start laughing before anything you know remember coach mcgurk from home movies oh no, you know i never got into home like that's oh shows. it just kind of came when i never even i used to watch home movies just for coach mcgurk it's just it was so good but home movies was a beautiful show very I, um that was that was also done by the guy that did Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I think my favorite H. John Benjamin was done for last week tonight. I think it was. And it was live action, and it was they're talking about how you know re- big box retails are using robots now, and how the clerk's job is not to help the the customer, but to keep domestic arguments from happening in the store. And he was like the husband of the couple and they were looking at flooring at Home Depot and the, the, the clerk is like, oh, you know, we have this in bamboo. And he's like, oh, I really like bamboo. And, and the woman's like, oh, I know. I've seen your search history. And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, what if our daughter was Asian? And he's like, why would our daughter be Asian? And was this a live action thing? Yeah. And just the way that he does his delivery. He's, fu- he's hilarious. He's just so hilarious. Funny. Yeah. And he was, he was on... Uh, on for I think we had two, we used him a few times, but he's he wasn't like cast. He's so busy, you know what I mean. Like he yeah. just gets a lot of work, and he should be getting a lot of work. He's got a great voice. So, how do you guys even start? I mean, I feel like a lot of your episodes are reminiscent of you know old nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties cartoons. You know, you had your Scooby Doo episode. And- it's funny because a lot of it's it. it our show is whatever you want it to be. I, I've honestly had my show described to me so many different ways. And people take out of it what they're um, walking into it with. You know what I mean? If, you are, if, if you're comic savvy, you're going to find our show to be taking a lot from comic books. If you're mm-hmm. pop culture savvy, you're taking a lot from pop culture. If you're music sa- savvy, you're, you're noticing Stiv Bader jokes and Nick Fiend jokes and Bowie jokes galore. Um, so but you really taking references and I mean, there's there was loads. there's deep deep cut art references, yeah. quiet art references. We we had a episode take place in the Frick that centered around Whistler's painting of Robert de Montesquieu, and we had a, we had an episode where um, Phantom Limb was trying to pawn off the, uh, the all the work stolen for, from the Elizabeth Gardner Museum. Yeah, like yeah, all yeah, of them yeah. are on the wall. They're yeah. all there. Like I think he's trying to get rid of maybe either um, Rembrandt's Christ on the Sea of Galilee or maybe one of the Vermeers. I don't remember, but like those those were all a part of the the, the Gardner heist. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Phantom's Limb explanation still kills me because it was like Mona Lisa's tiny. It's famous because it was stolen. This is stolen and bigger. 
Yeah, this is totally figured. <laughs> it, it, she has a, a smile like a horse. Yeah. It is. A, the the um, Mona Lisa is, you know, people hold it up as this, the great pinnacle of art. And I'm sure you've seen like a, a better painting in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you just have. Mona Lisa is not the best painting in the world. I would, I, I would, uh, I would throw out the Ghent altarpiece is a much better work. <laughs> it's, it's a nearly flawless piece of oil painting. Um, the reason why the Mona Lisa is famous is because it was stolen. And right. when it was returned, it was in the papers. There was a line around the block. Everybody found out about it. And it became a famous painting, mm-hmm. not a great painting, a famous painting. And then we forget that it was stolen. And we just know Mona Lisa, great painting. Equals famous, yeah. Yeah, they just know great painting. They have no idea why it's a great painting. They just know that it's a great painting, and therefore they just trust it. Um, people should, I'm not going to say what people should do, but I, 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 I call for a shift in art. You know what I mean? That's my real, if you want to get me steaming, talk to me about, <laughs> talk to me about art, because I, I, I get fuming. I think what happened to art in the 50s and 60s is a gigantic disservice to art. It's funny because a lot of what we do locally is we help artists get their art art out on display. We hang art for local businesses and and, try to help them move pieces. And a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what to charge for my art, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, charge what you feel comfortable. And then, you know, you always, they always start talking about like, oh, well, you know, Rembrandt's and this, re- and I'm like, you know, that's all money laundering. It's all money laundering. No, you're bringing up the wrong people. You know, not not Rembrandt. And you are 100 percent. You're 100 cor- yeah. correct. The art market today is all money laundering. It is it is pure tax evasion. Yeah. And the people that buy art, you got to start dropping names like Kastabi and stuff like that. You 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 uh, you can't um, talk about. Uh, Rembrandt. Rembrandts don't even exist. I mean, they're they're all they're all found. They're in museums. Nobody's pulling Rembrandts out of drawers anymore. Yeah. And it, you're not, you're the Met ain't gonna have a garage sale. So don't worry <laughs> about Rembrandt. It's really there is a, there is today's contemporary art mm-hmm. is entirely ugly pieces of art. They're ugly. I'm, I'm, show me one massive painting. I mean, we're not talking about bananas taped to walls here. Although, fine, handle it if you want. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that also brought in enough ridiculous money to get a piece of paper that says that you can now tape a banana to a wall and call it up. Who gives a fuck? It's a nightmare. But all these terrible looking uh, pieces of art that are, are happening now with like the Damien Hursts and, and all the way down is complete money laundering. The people that buy them don't care about them. They have agents that tell them what to buy. They're, they're looking for a place to basically flip artwork Yeah, where you yeah. buy a piece, hang on to it, get rid of it. It, it, it has nothing to do with liking art. It's like and the, the 1990s people, in comic books. It's a nightmare. It's yeah. it's, it's a nightmare, and all that came that that came about from a hyper a hyper liberal idea of what art is. And I I I don't want to sound like an, an old fart, but this is what I'm actually preaching is very new concept. <laughs> so it's not old fartism, although it's mildly conservative. That this whole nonsense of of, of constantly questioning what is art. You know what I mean? That this like, well, what is art? Art can be anything. It's, it's preposterous. It's as dumb as 
like say we're all bird watchers, okay? This is an analogous situation. We're all bird watchers. People have been bird watching for years. And suddenly somebody goes, look, what is bird watching? You know what I mean? Let's find, let's, what is, I think we're, we're here in a box and, and what is bird watching? So one guy goes and he lights his garage on fire and he goes, is this bird watching? <laughs> and everybody goes, yeah, that's bird watching, right? So they all kind of go into that and everybody's doing all this weird bird watching, which have other names prior to that. Um, in this case, arson is what that is. <laughs> that's actually called arson. So everybody's doing that and they're doing all these things. And years later, somebody like me goes, what is it called when you look at birds through binoculars? What do, what do we call that? Because it isn't bird watching. See what I'm saying here? Yeah. That we have, we, have, we have lost the plot for what is art so bad that to create art is absurd. It's re- fucking ridiculous if we do it under the, the nomenclature of today. And then we throw out these words like modern art, contemporary art. Um, when you name your, 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 your movement modern art, where do you fucking go from there? You really postmodernism, post postmodernism? Really? Is that what they're going to do? Because people got to get it through their heads that modern art is not. Modern art's from, uh, it's, 20th, it's early, mid 20th century art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Modern art is 100 years old. Right. The modernist movement is old. It's an antique movement. We're at a piece of, like an object you could buy in a store. You could label it safely as antique, not even vintage. This is an antique object. So the idea that we haven't moved past this is blows my mind. I look at, I look at art today. I look at art, contemporary art, not in the sense of the contemporary art um, as a movement, but art being produced today. And my head explodes with how, antique it looks it all looks like this um nonsense from this 50s 60s and a little bit of the 70s i've seen no movement zero and this opening the doors of things where where i don't know i'm fuming just thinking about it (laughs) It, it, it's not that we should shut down the doors It's 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 artists should start going it's okay to create craft it's okay to um give a shit it's okay to say something the things that art pieces say today are so monumentally absurd you know what i mean they're they're pieces of nonsense with very long names mm-hmm. that mean almost nothing and and as far as conceptual art goes i hate all of it and i used to when i was when i was younger i didn't want to say that because it would piss people off yeah. i am i am now legally old enough to to not give a rat's ass what if I piss somebody off. To not give a rat's ass. Um, well, you okay? One, you can't be out there in the dating scene because you will. Nobody's ever going to get any kind of, of of attention sexually when they go. I hate all contemporary art. I hate it. <laughs> hate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a, but, but conceptual art is the one that I really have a problem with. I think it's nonsense unless somebody goes, "Oh, you know what? What it really is." It's um it's a form of experimental theater, you know, especially when you have like an installation or something. Mm-hmm. And then I go, well, that's excellent. That's exactly what it is. It's experimental theater. So put it in a theater, get it out of the damn gallery. The gallery is not so great. I don't know why people think theaters are for losers and galleries are for winners, but put it back in a theater and make theater exciting and make your experimental theater. 
stop crowding the galleries with it. It's ridiculous. And like the fact that we can't have visual art because some jackass said that painting is dead. And then another jackass like Duchamp decided that it's absolutely a corpse. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. It's just, I want visual art again. I want people to make things that they are, that, that matter to them, that they spent a lifetime learning how to make. Mm-hmm. And things like, uh, you know, if you haven't seen my paintings, you should see what I do so you can see yeah, where I'm coming from. Yeah. yeah, you can see it, it scanned down like my Facebook page or something. It's yeah. just, um, I'm not asking for the world to do that. That's just what I do. But what I am asking for is to people to care about their work and to, when somebody says, oh, that's academic, um, think about it. You know, people call my work academic, yet academic means produced by the academy. Right. That's what the word means. And the academy now, if you think about the, the real powerful academies, the, the, the Yales out there, they're, um, they're pumping out contemporary art that is just absolute garbage that, that you know, meaningless garbage that, it, that, uh, you know, that old saying like my kid could do that. That's what so they're making. It's like, if you think about it, if you were an attorney and you got your client off by following the letter of the law, is someone going to be like, well, yeah, you won the case, but that's academic to do it that way. Uh, yes. Exactly. I mean, but the point is, it's not even academic. Like what I'm doing is not what the academy teaches. It is by its nature um, against the academy. It is rebellion by definition because nobody in the academy does this. They mm-hmm. can't. They won't. They don't want to teach it. They look down upon it. It's it's meaning. Fuck. It's meaningless. So it's absolutely rebellion. And the fact that I have to deal with that is is nonsense. And when they when people think of craft, they call it handicraft. Like they have this whole group of of diminutives to to hand out to people. You know what I mean? They're, they're like they're pejoratives. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you know, um, that uh, you know anything done with any kind of skill is just well, that's just the hand over the head. It's like nonsense. It's it is nonsense. And there's a mild rebellion going on with students because as far as I'm concerned, when somebody starts to draw, mm-hmm. they are representing their external surroundings. A kid is going to draw mommy, daddy, and a house. Right. That is how they do. And anything of these like abstract things, that's the parents grabbing a mess and putting it on the fridge and going, that's what art looks like, honey. You know what I mean? They're stopping the kid from dealing with representationalism and anytime a kid tries to draw like somebody else, like you draw Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a hyper-liberal mother who isn't, isn't properly thinking about true liberalism, but she's actually playing the tardy, party line is going to pull, is going to say, that's not what you do. You want to do something that is more expressive and more abstract. But when we copy these things, it's part of um, our mentorship you know what i mean they don't give kids yeah they don't give kid teachers you find this thing that you want to emulate when you're a little kid and you start a band you want to sound like nirvana and you emulate that till eventually that doesn't answer it for you and you develop your own style and come from that i think all great things start at a point of emulation 
Mm-hmm. You know, like well, I, I think, think a lot of our styles are generally a composite of all the styles that influence us, not necessarily, you know, that. Tr- it's true, that, but you got to use anything really new. It's just kind of, you know, right. You, that you're, well, you're thinking, but most people are looking for new. When they think about art, they go, oh, that's new. Nothing is new. You know that. You know that everything has been done. The point is newness doesn't mean anything. Who cares if it's new? It's, it's truth. It's beauty. It's real. It's great. These are the kind of things that we should be asking, not about if it's new or if it's shocking. Like, who cares? Honestly, and anytime somebody says it's, it's new, it's because their art history is so bad that they don't realize that it was done by Man Ray. That it's really not new. And it's like, do you want something in your house that's new or something that's beautiful? Most people want something in their house that has a value that will escalate, (laughs) apparently. But, you know, you and I... Yeah, I think, you know, maybe Joe Average, you know, Joe Sixpack or whatever the hell you want to call him, kind of wants something that he's going to hang on the wall and is going to just be nice to look at. Uh, I, I would hope, but I think that's, you know, again, remember I was talking about with protein that it takes a hundred years for people to understand a concept. Yeah. I, I believe that people are still a hundred years back. You know, your basic person is a hundred years ago thinking about art. You know, when they think about art, they're not thinking about what's really being made out now and how that there are a, just billions of starving artists and one person that makes all the money because uh, somebody has decided that their thing should be uh, priced higher and it's a complete racket where they just price it huge. So only the super rich can hide their money in it. That's what art is now. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't think there's any problem with that because yeah. it gives everybody else a chance to change it. We need to change it. The artists out there should change it. We should, we should have an, a, a good little art revolution, you know, a, a nice quiet, revolution in art that nobody notices till it's over and then go, Hey, a shift happened. And I think there are signs of it juxtaposed being a magazine that outsells all the other art magazines is a sign of a good change. Yeah. You know, it's a sign of that, that the outsiders, I don't think they're outsiders. I think they're just people that, uh, like craft and like to make good things. I think they've kind of crawled up their own butts a little bit and have just become a bunch of Mark Ryden clones, but that's going to happen. You, when somebody's you, that good, are you this angry about the music industry, or because you're? I love. Let me tell you about this. <laughs> let me tell you about. I'm angry about everything. I'm, okay. I'm the I'm the old I'm the oldest angry young man. So um, the you music industry. Get off your lawn. I, I know. I, I tell people that they can help themselves to my lawn if they like dandelions, <laughs> because I've I have way too many of them. So okay. um, uh, with music, I think it's actually kind of beautiful because what we lost is all. Uh, you know, labels are dead. They only exist oh, for people God. like Drake. You know what I mean? They exist for these like giant uh, products that people will. Pop music is always for the your, to sell you some already prepackaged product like Drake. Yeah, yeah, it's Pepsi. Drake is Pepsi. Yeah. So uh, and it's fine. That stuff's great. I love that kind of crap too. But um, it's not real <laughs> music. But to lose the record industry, who were a bunch of, let's face it, they're just a bunch of cokeheads skimming money off the backs of 
other like real hardworking human beings who were given these awful contracts that had recoupable funds, which meant they made a lot of money and spent the rest of their career paying off their debt to Arista. Um, to see that giant machine disappear, um, no tears. I have absolutely no tears. And then to replace it with, again, Bandcamp, like this gigantic democratic system where people just put their music on and they are, you know, your your band is as findable as the biggest bands out there. Mm-hmm. And it's possible through some sort of genome matrix to be able to cross things and you can find something you never would have heard before that was done by just you know just some girl in her basement on a laptop and it'll it'll blow your mind that's the world i'm living in i I love it i think it's great i love that i no longer have to go to professional studios and i can do all my recording myself i love it and it's funny because like we interview a lot of musicians and I hate asking the question of like what kind of music because nowadays so many people play some sort of mishmash amalgam of, you know, okay, we're, you know, we're R&B or, or hip hop bluegrass, we're hip hop brass, we're, you know. No yeah, well, I mean, look, if, if you, I hate, I hate to drop the B word, but if you think of the Beatles, do you remember how different all their songs were? Oh yeah. I mean, if if you put Revolution Number Nine up against um, uh, uh, Help up against Blackbird up against uh, Helter Skelter, that's not like they're all different bands. Doctor Sergeant Pepper, it's like yeah, or Taxman, which is like this right of the moment song. Like they they sounded like different bands Mm -hmm. and something happens where you couldn't do that anymore. Cause you know, the Beatles are part of that first wave of, of songwriters where the band actually did their own material and something happened where you have to, a band could only produce this one thing. And if uh, I'm not going to say it's industry driven, I would almost guarantee it's um, sales driven. People really like to know what's, in the aisle when they go shopping, you know, they don't want to go in there and have a TV next to the, next to the cold cuts. It's crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? They they, they know where to go to Costco. They know when to go to Rite Aid. They they know where to go. So I think that it was that market that really pushed people to make these every sound, you know, that terrible branding of music, but you are 100% correct that you don't need to have the genres yeah. and you can make up genres if you want, you know, cause uh, uh, well, you don't I have like to do to the same the, thing. I like to ask the question now because, you know, I want our listeners to, to know kind of an idea of what they can expect from mu- music that maybe they haven't heard that they want, might want to check out. So I'm always like, well, what, what known band would you to- tour with that would make sense? And I feel like that's a better. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, yeah. what what audience can I fish out of? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the the only band I I know of that is active right now and making music that I go, yeah, it's a fucking good idea. <laughs> is a band called Is a band called White Lies. I don't think I know them. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not looking to become famous. <laughs> 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 They're like a British band, but they they have this like bizarre tap into um 80s production that i find beautiful like i love rich thick 
gorgeous production. I think the song's not done until the string section and the tambourines are done. You know what I mean? I like a real lush sound. And anytime I don't do a lush sound, it's because I'm intentionally stripping it down in that Coco Chanel, you got to take off a few, few things before you walk out of the house mm-hmm. way that, um, you know, sometimes I put a lot more bells and whistles than a, a Sousa march. But I like that sound. I like that. Um, uh, who would be a great? Midjour. Do you know who Midjour is? No. Okay. Well, you do. Do you remember that okay. song? Do they know? Do they know it's Christmas? Yeah. Okay. That was produced by Midjour. Oh, all right. And he he was in a band called Ultravox. He was the second singer for Ultravox. He he d- did some stuff with um uh what was that other band he was playing? He did solo stuff. Doesn't matter. Regardless, Midjour's production to me is like the best thing in the world. It's like ABBA production. It's like this too much. You put on the headphones and you're like this. Oh, this is so silky and built and beautiful. And it doesn't have to be the song that you put behind that doesn't have to be an ABBA song. But if you use all that kind of silky, lush production, that's what I want out of my music. You know what I mean? Just it's too much. Remember when White Stripes came and they just stripped away everything? And you got this guy going, oh, you just need an old tape deck and a crazy old hat and a barn. And that's all you need to make music. (laughs) Like that was my nightmare. Yeah. Because at that point, I'm like, what are you kidding me? I just got a computer where I can record as many tracks as I want, I can have ultra beautiful production, like really, really make a a soundscape for people and really say what I want to say. And, you know, so I I was, uh, that didn't work for me. Not that I didn't like that kind of stuff. I actually did did like it, but it was never for me. Like I, I want something completely different. I want lush. I'm a big proponent of drama. Big budget high effects movie but music version um yes but for an indie plot like my songs are are not beautiful usually songs i mean they're 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 aggressive they're dark but they're in that kind of big production so think of like you get this giant spider-man budget and you make my own private idaho yeah, and you make my own private Idaho out of it. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Like, yeah. my God, they, that, was that a helicopter they just used? Like, that's what I want. For 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 Keanu, did they use a helicopter? <laughs> for early Keanu. Like, yeah, that's super now. early Keanu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a great performance. I'm not sure if he's a good actor. Um, yeah, you know. And, and every time I see him and say he's like a really terrible actor, I see him in something and go, no, he's really good. So I don't know. He always fools me. It, it's so funny because, like, I swore off him for a long time, and then how can you swear off Keanu Reeves? Like, I, I was I'm talking like, about oh, he's crap. And then someone's like, "Oh, you need to see the Matrix," because this is when the Matrix came out. And I'm like, eh, "It's a Keanu movie." They're like, no, you really need to go see it. And I saw it. I'm like, "This is amazing, mind blowing." Yeah. Here's yeah. the problem with Keanu Reeves: he might be your favorite actor, even though you don't like him, because he's in all your favorite movies. He's in everything. He's in everything. He's in all my favorite movies, right? So, like, I love a John Wick. I I, I love you know, a John I Wick. I've seen those. You you're well. You're just a you're a bad person. <laughs> you've <laughs> made a mistake. Say that. <laughs> yeah, you've made a mistake. Did, yeah. did you like the Bourne uh, series of yeah, movies? Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much that without plot. I mean, he just somebody hurts his dog and he goes and kills him, and it's just a it's it's the height 
of watching that thing. It is the most beautiful version of a guy going out and killing people. It's Again, those, I'm, I'm a super pacifist, into... but it is beautifully done. Like it's just, everything is just so cool. See my favorite uh, kind of movies where people get punched, punchy films, I'll call them the is great. yeah. I love punchy films. And my favorite is the Liam Neeson genre where they oh, take an old guy yeah. who's like, I don't know. I can't get back into this. And then he goes out and punches people really hard. <laughs> That's what that's what I like. Uh, I, I I want them to be more with women. I want them to take like older women, and then ha- and do the same kind of thing. Yeah, that would wouldn't that be great? Yeah, like the last thing you'd expect is where this like sixty close to seventy year old woman. It. What? <laughs> I said Republicans would hate it. Oh, they'd love it because it'd be great punching. It'd be well choreographed. <laughs> And it would just be cool to see like a, a, a woman do that, or just—that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I was considering considering writing one, but um, who, you know, I don't have a time to write a punchy movie. So, so you must have seen um, uh, Red with Bruce Willis. Yeah, but that's, that's the old Red ones. Punching things. Yeah, it is old people <laughs> punching things, but that's more that like uh, jokey. You know, we got to get back on the horse and punch again. Yeah, um, it reminds me of like. Um, What's the one where they just had all the old action stars together? Is that Expendables? Yeah. It's like that, where it's just a little too grumpy old men, grumpy old men, too grumpier old men. It's a little bit like that, you know, that that kind of, oh, I punched somebody and my back hurts. Oh, I punched somebody (laughs) and my my hip exploded because I'm old. Jack Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau in a punchy movie? I'd see that. Yeah, but see, I don't (laughs) want that. I want uh, I, I want somebody going out there. And just being super effective, yeah. you know, the, the litmus of, of punchy is, of course, the uh, Liam Neeson chasing his the people that kidnapped his daughter around and yeah, uh, saying that he has a certain set of skills. Yeah, remo- taken, taken. Yeah, taken. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the one you got to do. It's it's this plotless nightmare uh, where he he just goes out and punches people, but it's super effective. And all you got to do is just tinker with the basic devices. Which is what John Wick is. Instead of yeah. taking a daughter, they, they hurt his dog. So he goes out and does the same thing. My you could have it that like, oh, you, you stole my fax machine. I just got to go out and punch you. Yeah. My favorite plotless, bad script, bad acting, punchy movie was uh, Pacific Rim. Okay, well, that's not just punchy. That's um, giant robots fighting monsters. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, but it's but it also includes like this kind of live action understanding of anime that yeah, movie's awesome yeah. oh it's great yeah but yeah that movie's terrible awesome and there's no plot but it's great yeah but I, I i secretly love anime although publicly i say it but despise it but it's <laughs> aw- it's awesome i struggle <laughs> with some of the cultural things with like anime and manga um i remember for what like this blue talking monkey shows up and you don't get the joke that kind of no, cultural I'm thing okay with that it's um yeah i remember a friend of mine loaned me this manga called dora hadora which is really interesting. It's like these wizards going to this other dimension to practice yeah. their spells on other people. It's very weird and twisted, but yeah. I couldn't get over it that like every eight pages they had to stop and eat. That sounds awesome. Uh, it just got, I'm like, every time it got good, I'm like, oh, we're stopping for dumplings again. Um, I, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I like what's, I love when something just goes off track for a minute. And then there's like a I mean, you've seen the Venture Brothers, right? It's like I can't have anything cool happen. I'm... 
Well, Anytime I, something clearly, cool is about to happen, a conversation breaks out. It's weirdly, a nightmare. those are my favorite episodes where, like... Thank you. That's what, the, that's the, what the I think. The ones where, like, they get back from a mission and they haven't gone on a new mission yet and they're at the compound. Those are my favorite yeah. episodes. Yeah, you know, the, like, the kitchen episodes. Yeah, where the, the kids are getting babysat and... Yes, of course. Those are the real thing. That's, that became what the Venture Brothers was to me, is that off camera, yeah. they do really cool stuff. On camera, it's very mundane. Yes, <laughs> and those are the best parts. because it's, it's the only I, stuff I could write. I couldn't think of anything oh, cool. Yeah, i big fan of those episodes. And, and season one was, you know, I think the high, not the high point, because they're all great. Season um, one's a mess. What are you kidding me? Every, every, it's it's off model. This is what I, I have taken from watching all the episodes, which I have. So as a fan of the show, um, not nothing to do with my creator, the Venture Brothers does not start until the last two episodes of season one. It doesn't start till Trial of the Monarch. That's to me is the first time you, you see an episode that really smacks of what the show is going to become in perpetuity. Do you know what I just, I just thought of a conversation I had years ago about the show? And Can I tell you what the conversation was? Mom, I require more breast milk. And she said, Mom. <laughs> no, it was we were talking about how we dug it on so many levels, but it was, it was so progressive because the three deadliest people on the show mm-hmm. were, you know, uh, Brock, obviously. Um, Henchman 20, Jesus, 23, 24, 21? Uh, 24. Talks like this? Yeah. yeah. 24. And, uh, 21 talks like this. Yeah. And Shore 24 leave. talks like this. And Shore leave, is, Shore leave is super deadly. Yeah. And, and like, we're like, this is like a super openly gay character, and he is lethal as fuck. He's and, super cool. Yeah. yeah he's not just he's lethal. Awesome. He's, he's not <laughs> just lethal. He's a terrible character. Like, yeah. based on. Uh, Jojo. He's based on a a uniquely um, uh, gay trope in GI Joe of their of, the, of their, their sailor, sa- sailor yeah, character, yeah. where he looked pretty much like a village person. Keelhaul, I think. Did <laughs> even better. So uh, yeah, he was based on that. It might have. I think it may have been an ugly throwaway joke. But when I started getting really into him, my thoughts was. You know, he's this, and he happens to be gay. And that's part of his life, and it's something that we touch upon. But we never really made gay jokes. We made jokes uh, that he would say, because he he thought of that. And he was flamboyantly out. I mean, there's nothing uh, that excludes proficiency and flamboyancy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of that was just like... amazing. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was... um, I was a lunatic, you know what I mean? I would wear like dresses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I I was called a faggot every day of my life. So I was being gay bashed constantly. So it was, um, and I'm, and I'm, you know, if, if, if I'm not a homosexual, but I had the same kind of uh, very out and proud as just a person, you know what I mean? Right. Cause it, it was, there, in, in gay culture, there are a lot of very uh, muscly, men you know what i mean mm-hmm. where where uh, you, you wonder if that's a reaction to just the abuse that's being slung at them for so long kind but you'll, the, you'll 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 yeah. always meet the these people that are just they're just 
they have this very traditional effeminate um i don't know way about them i was that you know what i mean so i i was really effeminate i was and i was very uh i, I didn't really care there was something about me that i just didn't care how um you know i was very slight and i didn't care how i dressed and i liked dressing up and all those kind of things that people would just expect off the you know out of hand to be that and it was like it was a form of just absolute you know i don't know profiling this weird understanding that all gay people are are that um and so what i really think it boils down to is someone who is different and outside the norm I think it is. It's just different. And uh, God, and maybe a little jealousy to see somebody who just doesn't fucking give a shit yeah. is, is, is frightening because uh, most people give a lot of shit. You know what I mean? And there's something about somebody who's just very vibrantly and expressively that kind of a person. It's it, it, when something is so perfect and beautiful, your first response is if I can't eat it or kill it, I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When, when people, uh, um, anything good, well, watch a handsome man walk down the street and have guys just rip them apart because it's, it's a, it's jealousy, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, it's this weird thing that we do that we just get, um, uh, any kind of, uh, people that show an uh, exceptional behavior are just immediately put into this, uh, terrible feeling of shame you know and and i feel like it it, it's even just a level of on on any level of success where people who are too lazy or don't have that motivation or or lack something to strive for success will try to drag you down because they don't want it's more of a reflection on them being like oh i i can't achieve x and he's trying to, so I'm going to try and keep him on my level so I don't feel bad. Yeah, I don't know. I think about it a lot. Um, the one I always think about is, remember how you had this favorite band when you were younger? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, you loved them. And they put out a, a record that you didn't connect with immediately. And your thoughts were just, oh, my God, it's such a sellout. It's such crap. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And then you go back and revisit it a decade later. And you can't you can't even find a difference between that and the stuff you're listening to previously. Right, it just wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, it sounds the same. Like, what, what was I bristling against? And uh, uh, that's an an aspect of that that we expect so much from things. Um, it's an aspect of celebrity too. If you expect something from somebody and they they deliver something else that could be wonderful, if it's not what you wanted it's just absolute crap and you have no problem saying it out loud you know what i mean and i always found that fascinating especially with actors and the one that jumps to mind is ben affleck who i think is a pretty decent actor not the best but decent and i've never had a problem with him i wouldn't have cast him in daredevil but i don't have a problem with him there's a lot of problems with that movie but uh but you know people will be like oh you know he did reindeer games or paycheck or whatever. And they're like, can you imagine there's no other job, be it fireman, trashman, whatever it is that you do, where you sign up for days paycheck and someone going to 
trash, being like, I can't believe you collected trash in that neighborhood, which is really what it is. He's, it's his job to act in movies. And it's, yeah, I, I, it's a very strange thing. I mean, yeah. the, the, the public is, they're not evil. I mean, the public is us. But there are things like me being a musician, I have posted, you know, worked on songs. So much, my, the name of my band is Weep. Um, you can tell it's mine. There's another weep that is clearly not mine. It's a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of different people, but you can tell which one is my weep. You can go find it. You're the weep uh, with Doc Hammer in it. You're the weep with Doc Hammer in it. Yeah, so you can find it, listen to it, and it's 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 good, right? It's I've been doing music longer than I've been writing. I've been this is who I've been for my entire life, and longer than that, I've been painting. But I am known as uh, the guy that does the Venture Brothers. So if I just post on my own personal page, like in Facebook or something, and say that like I'm having a showing of my works, and you can go look at my works and just go, well, the guy's inarguably good. <laughs> it's 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 empirically good stuff. Like I, I'm not bragging. Go take a look at it, and people will immediately. Uh, somebody posted like, oh, you should see his his uh, vanity project. Like vanity project. That's the most <laughs> like. Look at what I'm doing. How can you call that a vanity project? There's nothing. There's no vanity in it. I've been doing it longer than the Venture Brothers is more of a damn vanity project. It's yeah. it's preposterous. And people have say that and they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be condescending. It's just how we're supposed to look at it. You know, like God forbid somebody can do two things. God forbid Victor Hugo could draw, which he could beautifully. God forbid that Rossetti, the poet actually was a painter and he was, and he owned the 19th century and his paintings were the most powerful thing. They're so powerful. We forgot about them, but multi, people can do two things. And, and instead of going, well, let's look at it. You know, which one is somebody who is uh, famous and wants to be a rock star? You know what I mean? We can, we can, we can, we can, get rid of Bruce Willis's band. You know what I mean? Like that's somebody who like, Oh, I'm famous enough to play. Uh, he's not bad, yeah. but he's famous enough to um, play blues. He's fine. Uh, um, but obviously, yeah, but obviously correct. Yeah. And we can, you know, I don't, I haven't heard it, so I'm not going to say it's a, clearly a, 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 a famous guy doing that, but there are some that are good at two things. It just happens or three. It, it happens. So when people, you know, I've had people on my page have no problem going, you know, that's great, but get back to Venture Brothers. Like, what's up? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? You're not my mother or my agent. That's like preposterous things to do when I'm trying to, you know, be a human being that makes different things. And I, I, I want people to go look at them and go, really can you really call this vanity project like my band does not sound like a vanity project we're not out there doing covers of led zeppelin it's yeah. it's stuff that i've been doing long before i ever became a writer and it, it's it's a preposterous but i i forgive them because that's just how we're taught and for the most part you know there are these celebrities that make these terrible terrible drawings and paintings and they sell them because people want them for the autograph and they're just an right. extended form of autograph, you know, um, that is not what I do. And I stopped signing my painting. So for oh, that yeah. reason, cause yeah, yeah, cause you don't get an autograph when you're done. And let me tell you, if you can copy my paintings, like if you're that good, 
you are not going to copy my paintings. It's like, oh man, I'm just good enough to make an unsellable duck hammer. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Nobody's going to do it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's so. No, yeah, I'm not worried about anybody. Uh, duck hammer counterfeit out there. Yeah, no, it's impossible. Who would ever do it? If you, if you could, if you could paint like that, you would not be doing what I do. I do this like weird repetition. It's a whole thing. Maybe one day I'll talk to you about it. But it's it's a whole thing. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Just give me, give me a second. Oh sure. You don't even have to edit this house. Just leave it as I go roam across the house. Oops, Is this the part where you shouldn't be on camera because you're like walking to the can or something? <laughs> Thunderous when I walk. Thunderous when I walk. Now here's here's the problem when you have uh, I have um uh, uh I have a thoracic injury on on uh, t5 4 and 6 right mm-hmm. oh, that's a weird way to count <laughs> i'm counting <laughs> from the middle um yeah they're they're fucked up so because of that i you know my connection from my head to my rest of my lower half that's like mid chest by the way yeah the connect the connection to my lower half is uh not so good and if i sit down for a long period of time then get up and walk Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like an elephant. <laughs> it's like really heavy. Like I, I can't be, I can't be graceful. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, but if I'm up walking for a long period of time, I can kind of get graceful. But the minute I sit down for a bit, it's like my body just seizes up and I yeah. lost the veil of um, weightlessness that you have. Like I feel my own body weight. Like mm-hmm. I'm carrying me around on my shoulders. Oh, really? Yeah. It's weird. So when I, first get up i'm incredibly heavy it's very weird it's funny i I broke my ankle uh two summers ago yeah about two summers ago and sometimes if i sit too long and i stand up it's like a day one out of the cask and i'm like oh seriously people like what's wrong with you like it just takes like eight steps yeah Yeah, if you don't if you don't use it uh you lose it that's 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 what i learned in rehab Uh, i was lucky enough because i'm very slight and i was able to kind of get up quick uh you know, I couldn't walk, but I could, they could teach me how to stand with mechanical aids and things like that, that I was able to get back a lot of what I lost and then make some reconnections. It's fascinating stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm a cripple. So I don't know all the answers. <laughs> but that's, I mean, you know, this is a time where I feel like there's two camps, the camps who are now like, oh my God, doctors are so important. And the other parts were like, well, science isn't real. Well, I can't even get, I can't be a part of that conversation. (laughs) It's just bizarre. When people decide that science isn't real, they're, they're reacting with their hearts. They're not reacting with their heads. You know what I mean? They're they're reacting in a, uh, in a tribal way, you know, that like they're, they're agreeing with parts of their tribe may it be religion or political uh, leanings, they're not really 
thinking about it. So some like I'll pontificate on anything and put my foot in my mouth as much as as much as I can. But like on that one, it's like, uh, what can I do? I can't I can't talk to flat Earth people. I, I, I can kind of understand portions of it, but I think it's a very it's a very deep subject. You know what I mean? There's a lot of joy of being part of a small community. There's joy of being contrarian. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of idea that some of them are actually scientists that don't even know it yet. You know what I mean? They just didn't have the, they're questioning and questioning is good, right? Isn't it? Yeah. And, and, And when you, and when you question those kind of things, as long as you don't come up with the answer because you saw a 25 minute YouTube video that gives you bad science uh, questioning is always good. So I, I can't even get mad at flat earthers, um, you know, because I think that question, I mean, and possibly they will learn, you yeah. know what I mean? That they'll just, they'll, they'll, and they'll learn in their own way. If look, if you can't understand it, it doesn't mean that it's not so, but it, if someone believes that credo that if I don't get it, it must be horseshit, then it might charge them to learn, you know? But do you, I mean, me personally, I don't feel like that's, I feel like they question things and then just stop and don't push forward. Uh, Again, man, that, I I just can't touch the topic. It seems, it's so weird to me. (laughs) So there are just some things where I just go, you know, I I love people and I love humanity and I really do have this kind of like, oh, they must have a reason for it. And I, I try to look for when somebody says something terrible to me because of the way I look or dress or something. My first thought is always, well, what was his life? You know, what was his upbringing? What happened to to this guy that brought him to a place where that's the appropriate response? I'm not going to immediately go, that's a sociopath. Yeah. And I hate him. You know what I mean? I, I, I give people the benefit of this kind of weird life that they led that led him to that kind of thing. And um, I, I like to forgive, but with that, you know, with people believing bunkum science and stuff like uh, i don't know look hey look even people who believe in science believe in bunkum science you know what i mean sure you know it's there are some things that people just they gravitate towards because it seems like a better right you know right and wrong are cold and callous Mm -hmm. they don't care you know what i mean the natural laws of the world just it's godless out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, it, no, it, nothing cares. Um, you're not a factor. Fairness is not a factor. Justice is not a factor. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, just it, it just is. And if you are a person that is inclined to look for justice and look for fairness, which to me sounds like a good person, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to look for it everywhere. It's pervasive. And you start looking for it in science. And that is a, I just stumbled upon that. I just opened up my big stupid mouth and I, I came upon something that might, <laughs> sure, that sounds profound, almost, yeah. that sounds almost good. Yeah. It I don't does, know if somebody said does. that. You should write that down. I, I just, we put it on tape. What, I know it's not tape. <laughs> we put it, oh, push plane record at the same time. Quick. Um, so yeah, I, 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 yeah. So I, uh, I, I think that, um, I don't know what I'm saying. I was so impressed with myself. I fell in love. It was good. <laughs> what the? Fuck? What was I talking about? You were talking about how? Uh, damn it! Uh, said, 
I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. it, it was Who so cares? Good. Anyway, whatever I just said, it sounds great. Anyway, that's probably what what I believe because I just said it, even though I forgot what it was. Because <laughs> I, I I I took the time to back up and fall in love, and they lost that connection. Okay. That connection that you have in speech, by the way, mm-hmm. um, is utilized constantly when we write the Venture Brothers. Because like, what do you mean? okay, so you're, you're you're sitting there and you're typing, right? Mm-hmm. Writing is typing. And you're, you're, you're saying the jokes out loud and you're, you know, you can hear Brock's voice and you're, you're typing along and then you hit a, an impasse and nothing seems to make sense anymore. So you go find somebody and you tell them the plot, right? You just tell them the plot, you tell them what's going on. And because when you speak, you're using a different area of your brain for creativity. And you're also trying to appeal to somebody's um, interest that when you start telling them the plot, you hit that impasse that you get, you couldn't break through. But when you say it out loud, you just keep going. Like you're writing right on the spot. Like you're like telling a lie to get out of first period gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you, there's something great about this. Like telling people the plot when I'm totally stuck. I just find one of my friends that has a keep their mouth shut and go, I'm just going to tell you a plot right now. And make and I'm trying to make it interesting and here's the cool stuff and that's funny happened and I get myself past that point. That's my tip to writers. If you can't write it, say it out loud and to a human being and you'll be amazed what you come up with right on the spot. So just that kind of need on the spot to come up with something, your brain. There's something when, you, when you're speaking, uh, you're trying to have somebody enjoy, well, not everybody, but in this case, me, I'm having, I'm, I'm playing to the listener mm-hmm. you know what i mean I'm, if i make them laugh i'm gonna keep hitting that button a couple times so when i'm constructing a story for them and i want them to be entertained there's a possibility that i'll break through that block that i had just to keep entertaining them you know, you know what funny. i mean yeah i do because um like there's a lot of times if i'm working on something i tend to draw a lot in pen and ink and if I'm not sure if it's good, because like, you know, I think artists sometimes have a, a hard time separating themselves from their work and, and can't really tell. I'll take a picture of it with my cell phone and then look at the picture and not the drawing itself. And there's something about that where I can really go, Oh, this is off or this needs a little bit more work or no, I'm okay. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's so weird that that little bit of separation. Mirrors are what I use. I'll take a mirror oh. and look at my painting backwards. Yeah, and suddenly it's it's not familiar in any anatomical or or um, uh, you know um, it's not familiar. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Or, yeah. And if you don't have a mirror, you can just look at it. You can turn it upside down. Just turn your drawing upside down, and it changes everything. And, and especially if you're doing figurative work, because the anatomy suddenly becomes freakishly off. Where before, when you're working on it, it seemed fine, mm-hmm. and turning it upside down totally it, it changes it. And it also helps with composition too. Does not do a damn thing for colors. For, <laughs> colors for, are still the same. For a while, I would show it to my daughter. Yeah. It was just be like, that's wrong. And I'd be like, God damn it, she's right. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want a daughter that does that to me. <laughs> I would true. never. I would, I would. That's brutal. Sweetie, daddy has a very fragile ego <laughs> and you, oh, no, no, you, sh- no. you, should, you should find a way to, to tell him that it's almost great. <laughs> no, <laughs> so she, say, uh, say it's almost great whenever you see something wrong with daddy's work go it's almost great daddy and i'll go okay i understand it yeah she, i understand uh, that my, my daughter is brutal but really funny and it's that kind of 
uh, like line where I want to tell her to fuck off. And, but like, oh, it's really funny. It's really, really funny. How many kids do you have? Two. What are their sexes? Uh, I have my daughter and my son. My daughter turns 16 today and my son turns 18 in about two weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, I, one of my biggest fears about having kids is that I won't have a daughter, so I don't want to do it. Like, I only want a daughter. I do really? not want to. Yes. Yes. I definitely wanted a son first. I was raised, my, I raised mostly with females in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, a daughter is who I can culturally connect with. I would much rather shop than play ball. I would much rather teach a kid how to do a French braid. than like. And if I had a son, I would want him to be the same mess that I am. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to play sports, dad. I want to talk about art with you. (laughs) And it's like, my son is very similar to me in a lot of ways. He's a big music fan. Um, Independent. I don't think I could do it. I just, something about boys that like, they just scare me. I don't know. I mean, that's something I should get over. And I don't know if this is some weird sexist thing in me, but I just always think the daughters are like surprised. They end up, being so much like you that it's i don't want that i'm a terrible terrible (laughs) thing i don't want that at all like that that to be illegal to to make anything even close to me yeah Uh, here's another thing like if you have a daughter Mm -hmm. i mean just biologically i don't want to sound sexist but if you have a son the chances of him living in your basement are excellent they're excellent the chances of him never needing to move out because stuff is pretty good at home it's excellent if you have a daughter they have like a this built-in rebellion that around 12 to, to 15, you're an idiot, and they can't wait to get out of the house because you don't know anything. See, I, um, I, that's what I want. I, I want a kid that just goes. I neither agree or disagree with that because I'm split with my ex, so I get that. I'm, it's, I have, like, the best life because I get them, like, weekends, so it's, like, they're happy. Oh, uh, yeah, so you don't know what's going yeah. on, oh, of course. No, no, I, I miss out a lot, of, and I know it. Like I, yeah, and they can also work daddy for the things that mommy says no for. Yeah, um, we're pretty, pretty good about that. But I mean, yeah, yeah I just, I, I don't know. I know I get them I on, on, on the best, the best days. We're just like, let's go get pizza and, you know, go to the movies. Uh, yeah, I just, no, I don't like, no, I just, I just want a daughter. I don't want to, I just yeah, feel she's, more. Just, she's, uh, she's amazing. And so she, uh, this was back in December. She's telling me that she has this new boyfriend, which I'm not super cool about. It's just weird, and I hate to be the stereotypical dad, but it's just awkward. And um, oh, it's not awkward. You know that we, she's a she's a person. <laughs> you know oh, what's going know. on. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> it's fine. I've also learned I don't ask her questions I don't want the answers to. Right. But um, so she's telling me about this boyfriend and, and we're like the town I live in had this big winter festival. And I'm like, oh, is he coming? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, he was grounded from his train. So I don't know if he'll be able to come out. I'm like, his what? She's like, his trains. I'm like, like model trains? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, does he have a little hat? And she's like, oh, and an apron. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy. So for like yeah, the rest no, of the no. day, I started calling him the conductor. That's awesome. Yeah. And He's the awesome. engineer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the best part is she not proper dork. the conductor. That's a proper dork. Yeah. 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 So that's great. Um, what is she? What is she? Sixteen. What is she? Does she have any inklings of what she wants to do with her? Uh, she's in a trade career school. wise. Uh, she's in a trade school now, and she's in uh, uh, visual communications. Is what they call it. In our world, they call it graphic design. But she's like, don't call me a graphic designer. They're paper boys. 
So it's some weird. Ooh, yeah, I have no idea what happened. Thing, yeah. I never I, the nomenclature of art is something that I've just kind of I, I can't keep up with. I remember when something called imaging happened. I'm like, is that Photoshop? What is imaging? <laughs> yeah. What if, what does imaging mean? I don't get it. So so it, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. But uh, yeah, she's doing a lot of design and and uh, she's doing she paints and draws and, and really sweet. In the past, Three or four years, she's really made huge leaps, and I'm really impressed. So, well, she can keep going. Let me tell you about when you, when you do something. If you never are satisfied and never give up, um, you can keep improving for the span of your life. You know what I mean? There's, there's no nothing to worry about. If, if if they're any good at sixteen, you can be. She can become anything because sometimes people have a latent passions that show up much later and they they can be excellent at them if they w- want to you know oh, sure. i'm not gonna tell you how to parent your child by the way i've uh, no. let's change the subject because so i'm so uh, my womb is barren i have had <laughs> i've had never had a child i've you don't want a little 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 herd of little hammers running around i don't i really don't <laughs> i really don't this I, I, I there's something about i know people will get on my case about this but when you make art and that's your living. Um, it's a little bit like raising children. They're these like soft footballs of love that you toss out into the world and people have to, they, they have to live their own life. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. run. And it's, and it's very similar. And, it's, and it, of course, it's nothing like having a kid. There's nothing like that rearing and bonding and genetics. None of that happens. But I do find that when artists have kids, they're just crappy parents because their art requires so much parenting that they can't give that parenting to a child. And that child deserves that parenting. It requires that parenting. And you're just a bad parent. I don't want to be a bad parent. If I had a kid, I know for a fact, everything would go out the window and that kid is the most important thing. It's my biological imperative to make that kid just as well adjusted and cared for and all that as possible. And that will destroy my art. And I have to decide what am I here for? What am I on this planet for? And I have made the decision that I'm here to do these little things that I make that I send out into the world and people can go, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm like you. No, and, I, and- I think that's really valid. Cause I mean, you know, there's a certain level of commitment and obligation there's a monstrous level of and, and yeah. whatever you're making that if you have kids, then you start to have to compromise. Yeah. And if you don't compromise, you're an asshole. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you think you can do it all, that some, something's going to suffer. And the last thing I want is my child suffering or my art suffering. Yeah. So um, I, I, I have vowed to become a hell of an uncle. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's great. I was an uncle first. You can just yeah. give them back. Yeah, you can give them back. Here you go. You can impress them with a cool uncle. I'm cool uncle Doc Hammer. (laughs) Do they call you Doc? (laughs) Everybody has to call me Doc. Um, You cannot call me Doc unless you've had um, continual coitus or you're my parents. Uh, that's who can call me Eric. Excuse oh, me, not okay. Doc. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, you can call me Doc without ever without <laughs> ever ever getting to know me generally. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't like people calling me Eric who aren't um, a part of my um, love life or my or my family. Even people yeah. that I've known for a long time switch over. It's just yeah, I don't respond to it. Me, Andrew, are family members. And yeah, I don't really like when other people do because. That's not. Yeah, it's 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 hard for me. I won't answer to it. Even people that know me well, if they say 
Eric in like a crowded supermarket. They can't get my attention. If you say doc, how many docs are you around? It's very, very few. I turn my head immediately and that's what I respond to. And that's as far as like self-identify. I mean, I really do identify as doc. It's, it's not a, uh, um, people think it's like a, just a name that I use for um, like a lot of times I don't even feel comfortable using my last name. Because I'm just Andy. My last name kicks ass. Of well, course yeah, I use my, my last name. On Hammer. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Actually, Eric Hammer, and it, it kicks ass just right out of the womb. Yeah, that's but pretty, yeah, pretty it's not a bad name. It's, good. it's, it's Viking. But, um, <laughs> but, but I, I sound like a wrestler. But uh, Doc Hammer is just, you, you can't touch that. <laughs> can't touch my name. Um. Yeah, we've kind of run a lot longer than we normally do, but Doc, this was uh, an absolute blast and pleasure. You know, uh, like I said, I'm a big fan, so I really appreciate you taking the time to chit chat. Uh, hey, uh, I would say any time, but not any time. But uh, uh, <laughs> we could, you know, next time. I know you don't like to do research. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I think they're sure, important yeah. ones that your listener needs to have. What's with the name? Am I supposed to be drunk? Oh no, so. This is one of those, it made sense at the time, and now I'm kind of like, well, it's a thing already, and but it doesn't necessarily do us justice. Uh, we started as a drink and draw social club. A what? A drink and draw social club. Where it just I like, thought you said drink and drive social club. Oh, like, no, 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 no. I'm like, drink my friend, your, your social <laughs> club is terrible. No, no, drink and draw social club. It was just a bunch of artists getting out once a week to hang out, relax, have a drink and draw. And we would sit at a bar and, you know, we'd have sketchbooks and some sketchbooks got passed around and some weeks you drank a little more, some weeks you drew a little more. And it was just a, a fun thing. I can dig it. Yeah. And one of our friends uh, came up with the name Inebriart. And at the time, was so drunk, he forgot. So when the name came up again, he's like, that's a really good name. And we're like, right. yeah, yeah it's yours. <laughs> um, so it just kind of stuck. And then we started doing, uh, we like host a figure drawing group where we bring in a model to a, a venue right here in downtown Plymouth that has like a concert venue in the back. So it's got a stage and lighting. You live in Plymouth? Yeah. I love Plymouth. Oh, it's great. I'm a diet in the, I'm going to diet in the wool New Englander. Like I yeah. can't live anywhere else. I love New England. I, 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 Plymouth is one of my favorite places. It, it is. I moved here just under a decade ago and I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. The people here are amazing. There's so many cool things going on. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I know why you're there. It sounds, yeah. it sounds great. So you, so what is this podcast supposed to be? You just want uh, to have a podcast? Kind of. Yeah. So, you know, we started doing all these art events and whatnot. And so uh, my producer, Fish. Um, the producer's name is Fish? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's like Smitty. That's like an yeah. awesome name to have, Fish. And, and um, so we both got into podcasts. I'm like, dude, we should do an art podcast. And he goes, art's visual. That's stupid. And I'm like, fair point. And then I saw a YouTube video, and I think it was uh, Ricky Gervais, Chris Rock, Louis C.K., and Seinfeld. And they were talking about their process of writing jokes. And so much yeah. kind of rung true just from like a creative standpoint. I'm like, that's a podcast. We want to talk to creative people. 
Oh, and find out what the price. You didn't get any of that from me. I really did. You, fa- I, I you failed miserably on your on your on your so. basic mission statement. You no, did. I, I totally disagree because I, I. No, I rambled on about nothing. You got me talking about like veganism and and. I thought um, we started, but you talked about and, all and, sorts of things, and I think that's and, interesting. And needless abuse of homosexuals. You talked about <laughs> ridiculous things. No, but I I I feel like the creative people are all cut from the same cloth and have similar process in a weird sort of way and i find that creative people all have incredibly different processes i like your original idea for podcasts like what is the process i would have loved to have expounded on my process with you but i feel like we talked we touched a lot about on like how you write you've made you literally made suggestions to writers and oh i did didn't i okay you're right i think a lot of it escapes even and that's kind of the the trick of the podcast you're correct you know you're correct yeah little knowledge nuggets kind of seep out through the conversation. Uh, you're right. You're, Oh, you tricked me, sir. I did. You got, you got <laughs> me, to, you, you got me to, to, talk, to be on topic and I didn't even know it. I thought it's it was only taking me uh, like 200 episodes, but I kind of, yeah, kinda I thought I was pulling the wheels off the cart and all you wanted was a wheelless cart. And you know what that's oh. called? A sled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. So, yeah. Then, we just happily went through the snow in our wheelless cart with a, horse aggravated that we don't have wheels it was a terrible way to get there yeah and it's funny just from not planning questions and not doing research i've had some really really interesting um interviews i, I got to talk to uh uli john roth who's one of the original guitarists for scorpions and Did could you could you penetrate his accent yeah yeah oh he's great and, oh really um, yeah and so like five minutes in, did he did he give great like Klaus Minus stories? No, no, <laughs> he didn't. Not at all. Really? No. Oh, damn it. We talked about art history. Nice. Yeah. I had that conversation with 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 somebody too, where I thought we'd talk about you know our mutual fields. Nope, art history. Yeah. Apparently, he was on the fence between being a professional professional guitarist and a professional painter, and it was like art history class, and it was amazing. And it's just it's like awesome. if I had planned questions, that would have never come up. And so I just, I just like to kind of get to know people and see what happens. I'm going to go back and listen to that interview. You should. That's it's sounds, really good. And, and, that sounds and, good. So, and so Fish used to get mad because I, I'd be like, I don't do research. I don't do research. And he's like, you should do a little. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. And just before that interview, the promoter, he was playing a concert here in Plymouth. And the promoter's like, you got to ask him about Jimi Hendrix's guitar. And I'm like, what? What? And he goes, he owns Jimi Hendrix's last guitar. And I'm like, oh. So like we went through this. Is it a strat? I don't know. Because <laughs> we went through this whole conversation about art and how it fits with his music. And it was really interesting. Did you know that Doc Hammer owns a celebrity guitar? What celebrity guitar does Doc Hammer own? I have. I own John McGeoch's guitar. And I know your face. I've seen that face before. <laughs> Where I'm like, hmm, John McGeoch. It's the face of, nope, don't know. No. John McGeoch was the guitarist from Magazine. Then he became the guitarist for Susie and the Banshees. And then he was the oh. guitarist for Public, Public Image Limited. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so I have the guitar that wrote Spellbound. I have the guitar that played all over Juju and Kaleidoscope. Nice. That's, that, let me tell you, that was he was my guitar hero when I was a kid and that guitar was my hero. I didn't know what it was. It's a Yamaha um, SG 
1,000. How did you get it? But when I was a kid, I thought that was a double cutaway Les Paul because that's basically what it looks like. Yeah. But it's, it's not. It's a Yamaha. How did I get it? Uh, through an, through auction. I, I uh, bid it. And... So <laughs> so the promoter's like, you got to ask him, got to ask him. And the one thing, my biggest fear is to like ask those questions that everybody asks. Like, I don't want to do that. But I'm like, it's, this has got to be a good story. So towards what now I know is the end of the interview, I'm like, oh, you know, I heard you have Jimi Hendrix's last guitar and you could feel the mood change. And he went from being very open and interested in the conversation to just dead. And I'm like, oh, shit. And apparently he now dates or is now involved with Jimi Hendrix's last girlfriend. And he kind of like even resented the idea that he owned the guitar because he's like, that's Jimmy's guitar. It belongs in a museum. And, and I'm like, and, and to the point where Fish is like, yeah, that. You sounded like a little bit like um, uh, uh, Indiana Jones there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guitar, that guitar belongs the, in a museum. The guitar does kill Nazis. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can just feel the mood change. And, and from that point on, Fish is like, yeah, don't do research because you're going to ask the, the dumb questions that people. Well, I do own a celebrity guitar. You should ask me about my John McGear guitar. And you should, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you post-interview homework. I want you to go, <laughs> I want you to go f- find my paintings. You can actually just, you can scroll down my, my, my page that you found me on because you mm-hmm. found me on, a, on the internet. Yeah. yeah, just go down, scroll through that. You can, you can see some of my works. They don't even look like paintings. You'll be confused, but you'll, you'll, you'll find out. Um, and then I want you to listen to like a, a, a Go find a weep song and listen to it. Oh, I've listened to weep. Yeah, you yeah, weep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Post, uh, post, and 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 um, and I want you to watch all the Venture Brothers in a row. <laughs> so funny story is like I said, I'm a big fan. I know I fell off at some point, so I'm like, it's got to be streaming somewhere. It's on and Hulu. I, oh, is it on Hulu? Okay, it's on Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Because I found season seven on Roku uh, Adult Swim. But I'm like, that doesn't... Hulu. Let's go to Hulu. All right. Definitely got to do that. Cause... Yeah, and you can, wa- you can watch all of them. And if you don't, don't pay the extra money, you have to watch the commercials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah watch them on Hulu. It's, 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 it's an awesome experience. You can yeah. see all the... I went back to, to just listen to... I forgot what happened in an episode. And then you feel like pulling out DVDs or like digging through my computer for scripts. So I just put on Hulu... And watch the episode so I can learn what happened. And then I left it on all day long. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch my I damn show. Love the art from your first DVD. Is it Steranko? Am I remembering that? What guy? is it? The first DVD I thought was just the um we just had the skull on the cover. Yeah, but there's like inside artwork. I don't remember it. <laughs> I have no idea what's on her. What do you think I needed a DVD? I got these things on my computer. On, um, season one, I edited. <laughs> like I have the X, I have a bunch of clunky drives in my garage of all the uh, <laughs> of all the shows. On like these, you know, you didn't buy terabyte drives; they're like two hundred meg drives with a show on it. They're crap. Yeah. They're all in zip drives. I have the yeah. entire show on zip drives, jazz drives. So I will go and watch it on Hulu, and our listeners should go too. Yeah, um, you're going to be like, God, I should have watched it because I have all these questions to ask. I need to know if Kim's coming back. 
I got to ask about uh, Brick Frog. What is Brick Frog? I need to know. It's the most important thing. Who who's Scare Bear? I got to know. <laughs> I got to know. I can't sleep. Yeah, see, I'm a purist. I want to talk about Tax Hilliard and the Pirate One. And, and That's old school. Is that purist? Are Dean's pants really haunted? He's haunted pants. I'll tell you this. Our show actually gets better, and I, I, I dare you to disagree with me. Watch some of the later stuff, and watch it with, like, not that head that we were talking about earlier of the, like, sell out. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to Watch it as, like, just, just like a regular person expecting very little and getting what comes at them through their television or their computer there's a, the show gets better yeah i mean like i said I, I, it's not i've only seen season one but it's i don't know it's you've only seen season one no 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 i'm saying i haven't only seen season one. Oh, thank 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 you don't even know the show if you only see season one <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, no i just fell off i think around season five or six. Oh. That's just only seven after yeah. that. So you, yeah. it's a good no, season. Not, yeah, I'm not that far off. I just need to get Yeah, it's off. a good season. Seven has its seven has charms and, and revelations. There's some spoilers you're not aware of. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll learn things. And you'll learn, you know what you'll learn? A little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, and you're going to learn that it was in you all the time. I, I, think we, I think we've all learned that tonight. Yeah, that it's you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that, that little piece of heart. That's that's what it is, and that's always in you. That sounds a little. Uh, uh, God, who replaced Brock as the bodyguard? Um, no, Sergeant Hatred. Yeah, Sergeant yeah, Hatred. Yeah. No, he has that. No, Sergeant Hatred starts every line with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right. Yeah. Yeah, when we were when we write Sergeant Hatred, um, Jackson and I speak in that voice the entire time because we do the character voices even if they're not ours. When we have yeah. conversations, we're like little, little kids playing, and uh, then we can't stop doing them. And we drive everybody <laughs> we we drive everybody we know nuts. Yeah. still talking like that. Yeah, like one day we we were writing this thing just because we're idiots about if Aqu- Aquaman and Black Manta were childhood friends. Okay. Yeah, and um, we, I don't know what our Black Manta voice was. I think we're doing this for Black Manta. Was, and we did it for about six hours. And we, we couldn't speak. Aquaman never had any lines. It was really Black Manta <laughs> the entire time just complaining about his BMX bike. Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, it was just constantly like, Aquaman, let's get our bikes and go down to the bridge. It was just and we did it for so long that the next day we couldn't even speak. Like, I was say, was thinking, like are there any voices that you do that you're like, oh, we shouldn't have done that voice because that hurts a lot. Um, no, I mean, they, you never watch you ever watch a, an old Simpsons episode and go, I don't recognize any of these voices. Like they really oh, yeah, change. They change yeah. And and people kind of start adding to the voice. So, Doctor Girlfriend has gone up. I don't know maybe five whole tones. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like straight up. Uh, she, she's still deep, but if you listen to the original, she's very, very deep. Yeah. And now she speaks in it's much higher. She's much, it's, it's a looser kind of version of Dr. Girlfriend, but before it was very, very deep. Like it, 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 it they change, you know what I mean? So, um, 
that's the only thing that uh, I care about is that people are like, oh, our voice got higher. You know, is that a like a plot development? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like I, I just straight up forgot how deep her voice was right. and started using more of my own natural timbre, you know, uh, and, and other voices that they get just uh, better, you know. There's over the years, I I, th- I think Hank's voice got better. I think Dean's voice got a little more cartoony. The original Dean was much more like a kid's voice. Yeah. Um, Billy has stayed the same the entire time because Billy's not an impression. It's it's me with a lateral lisp. <laughs> yeah. It's just as Billy. It actually speaks higher. So if this is my voice right now, natural mm-hmm. duck hammer, this is Billy's voice. It's a little higher. And then I put a lateral lisp into it. So, so I, I just pull my mouth over to the side, which is super unattractive and yeah. nobody's allowed to take pictures of me while I do, <laughs> Billy. Well, do Billy. And it's, a, and it's a little wet too. It's a little spitty. So I just slide this over and then suddenly it's Billy. Um, but he does have that little uptick. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's very exciting. Everything's very exciting. Uh, except when he gets really, really, I think hyper focused of his is like, this is so stupid. You have the, uh, picture of the shrink ray on the side of the shrink. Your picture of the shrink ray. I'm the shrink ray guy. <laughs> yeah. That was a that, that's a gripe about like I had this cool Star Wars blaster that said Star Wars on it. I'm like I don't think Han Solo's had that. Yeah. So yeah, to make a shrink ray gun, the picture of the shrink ray gun yeah, as a logo. Big guy and then some like rays and a little guy next to so, it. Shrinking rays and smaller. <laughs> that would be a cool logo. Yeah. But the picture of the shrink ray gun on the shrink ray gun. Yeah, that was tag sale. You really do love tag sale. It's 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 the one that won me over, you know. <laughs> yeah, but meant to do that. It was my first that. time, you know. It was my venture virginity. So that was the first episode they showed you. Uh, I don't know if it was the first one they showed me, but it was the first. Because I do suggest if you have to start with season one, start with that episode. Yeah, because you think... won't. Don't start with careers in science. Pile of shit. Terrible yeah. episode. No, I just think it's the one that, like, really, I'm like, oh, I get what they're doing. And you, you're right. It was world building. And I think that's what's really interesting about what you guys do is you, there's so many, like, characters that pop up for, like, a scene and then become, like, major players. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's creating characters that we flesh out later. What I, I'm proud of is just the guild that we created this mechanism that lets this kind of stuff happen in a real world situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's our, our, our really uh, it has a very union, interesting invention. That very union kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's and... red tape jokes. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, and a lot of, well, that's what the show is. The show is about failed adventure. It's really about failed people doing failed adventure. And when you, take away all the things they do. The show is about who they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of cartoons are about what do they do? Our cartoon is what they do is the wackiest shit in the world, but who they are is what we focus on. You know, it's a very character driven show. Yeah. If I may pontificate on my own creation. But here's what the Venture Brothers is. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, it, it's you know you have the the well said, the, sir. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, it's getting late. Um, you have the you should get into four. the podcast business. <laughs> you have the Fantastic Four knockoff that suddenly becomes like all villains and and um, right, they become uh, the Revenge Society. Yes, yeah, thank you. And Phantom Limbs in it, and um, God, I should have watched them. 
because now I'm like blanking on it. Oh, what are you talking about? Your research uh, that you refuse to do? Uh, <laughs> are you talking about your refusal of research? <laughs> Damn it. Don't sign with it. Did it come back like a snake eating its own tail? <laughs> Is that what you're speaking of? All right. Well, look, I think we've done a, we've done a bang up job here. I did some voices. People love that kind of crap. You know, I used to get super pissed off when people, you know, I could say anything. It's funny stuff. They're like, eh, I don't care. Do a voice. And everyone's like, I feel gratified. Right. That used to bother me. And then one time I'm at a panel of a bunch of voice actors and all I could think was shut up and do the voice. Like it was in my, it was in my head. Like just do literally one of those things where I'm like, I kind of want him to do a voice, but I'm not going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like it's it's a shut up and do the voice, and it's Jackson hates doing it, and and I realize that it's like it's a weird treat to hear that voice say something other than something on the show. It's 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 a weird treat, uh, and anytime I see voice actors, I I really think like just do the do the voice I love so much. Yeah, do, do the character I love so much. Yeah, but I do so many I don't even remember like what I've done. I can't remember. The amount Jackson has probably done twice as much as me, and I it, we we have no idea how many they've done. I forget that I'm Dermot. I forget that I'm Shore Leave. I forget that I'm one of the the the, the Moppets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I forget I forget all those Underbite. Kind of That's the one I was trying to think of. Count Underbite. Uh, uh, Underbite is done by. Um, I forget his name, but he was in like a very famous horror movie and he does it really quietly. That voice is really close to the mic. And if you're in the room, you're like, that's not going to sound menacing. And it does because <laughs> <laughs> it's really weak with, um, with Warburton. His voice is like a, it's like a trumpet. Yeah. You could record from across the room and the best stuff from Warburton are these like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, these weird, like, Those, little, yeah, little, like little guttural noises. Yeah, these little sounds of agreement. Oh, yeah. Hey, Doc. That's that, where it never ends. The, that, that kind of stuff is what I, I love about Warbird. But when he really throws power into his voice, it's huge. It's monstrous. Yeah. yeah and it's not really an impression. Like, if you talk to him, that's what he sounds like. And the same thing with, with uh, uh, James Urbaniak, who plays Dr. Venture. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's doing a voice. It's just his speaking <laughs> voice. It's just his speaking voice. Warburton doesn't think and, he's doing a voice, right? No, Warburton turns it on. Yeah. He, he turns it on. He, it sounds like, I'll tell you, Doc, what's up? But um, when he does a voice, he, he becomes a little bit more menacing. But anytime he, he talks to me on the phone, I'm like, hey, Brock Sampson's on the phone. It's like really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> It's like really cool because my voice doesn't sound like anybody. There's like a tiny bit of Billy in it. Uh, a lot of 21 when I get excited. Yeah. I say, you know, if I do that, it gets get up to that higher octave. You know, that was <laughs> breaking. It just becomes 21. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, and Jackson, you can't really hear it in his speaking voice because he actually can do voices. I just um, do the, I take my voice and lisp it, do it lower. Or pitch it. Uh, do it do it higher you know like yeah. i say it's, it's the same voice i'm i have zero talent zero just do the same voice and shore leave is just my voice a little bit more excited yeah that's all it is it's you know boom yummy it's just it's my regular speaking voice tiny bit more excited terrible at voices awesome man well uh, seriously i really appreciate this and uh Anytime you want to come on, man, just let me know. Look, you know I had a really busy schedule sitting on my fucking ass doing, <laughs> doing absolutely nothing. So I'm I'm really surprised I can get off my uh, schedule and have some time to talk with you because, because I'm not just sitting 
home uh, doing hobbies. I'm part of the hobby class. Big big time celebrity and, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can can get into any any restaurant uh, uh, that I want. Lines? Fuck them. They mean nothing to me. I see a line. I'm like, excuse me, I'm Doc Hammer. And then somebody goes, Yeah, but I feel like you could pull that off because they'd be like, well, that's got to be a celebrity. I don't know who that is. Um, I'm always surprised when I... I'm surprised when I'm recognized. It, it happens a lot. And it always surprises me because I don't know what anybody who makes a cartoon looks like. You know, Matt Groening could ask you. Nope. Just people just know. Well, I, you've seen what I look like. You can recognize me from a helicopter. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like this freaky albino looking guy. Like it's, it's pretty easy to see me. Um, yeah, overly tattooed skeleton with a single coat of beige paint. And the shocking white hair. It's like you can't really miss it. So uh, if you know what I look like, you, you'll see me down the street. But I'm surprised that people know what guys who make cartoons look like. So the internet has totally changed Fans are what it's like to be like, a voice. Yeah. Yeah, they can just learn about you. When I, was, when I was younger, you just didn't know what voices looked like. I wouldn't know the guy who did Tony the Tiger or Fred from the Sony. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like you you can just go find that out. And I do too. I hear a voice. I'm like, what does that person look like? Yeah. And then you see it's H HM Benjamin, and you're like, wow, that's not what I thought he's gonna look like. I was expecting <laughs> a, a monstrous guy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and he's but I remember H. John Benjamin from Dr. Katz. That's kind of where I got my first right, taste you of can't keep giving me all this homework. I Dr. Katz, check out your painting. I want you to watch also home movies. I can't believe you home missed movies, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. It's like a beautiful show. It was really beautiful. Uh, I insist you go find some of those. And that's about it. Also, <laughs> uh, I want you to brush your teeth. All right. All right. Hey, it's been, it's been great. Thank you for uh, having me on your, on your podcast. An absolute pleasure. Okay, then. That's pretty much it. We don't really have a, I don't have a, like a sign off. Or... We don't sing happy birthday. It's out of it's out of it's in public domain. Okay, well it's been good. Um, uh, thank you for uh, having me. And if you ever want me back to ask me questions about art, which seems to be the theme of this, I will happily do it. But I insist you have a double show with somebody who really, really loves, um, what happened with art with the modernist movement, just making a shit show of everything, and then me. Okay. Yeah. No, not an argument, but 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 me because my my whole point. This is my point. I don't get it. Somebody really likes it. There must be millions of people that like it. And I've never had any of them, any of them talk to me where I go, oh, well, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. My guess is that by the end of it, that person will go, huh, I've been wrong. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. The, 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 the absurdity of Doc Hammer is coming out. Okay. Um, uh, awesome. God bless. I'll, we'll talk to you later. All right, man. Have a good night. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can find us on all social medias at Inebriart, except for Instagram, we're at Inebriart6. You can email us with your questions, complaints, and whatnot at Inebriart at yahoo.com. And if you're looking for more podcasts, you can check out the other podcasts on our network, uh, Retro Redoctopus, uh, America's Hometown Horror, and, of course, Bar Talk, Old Colony, and Inebriart Podcast, the original Um, So check those out and subscribe and comment so we can reach more people. And thanks for listening.